Sports Stance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sports Dance. I'm your host, Greg, and we're back for another sports-filled week. I mean, obviously, that makes sense. This is the Sports Dance. So, last week, like a crazy person, I said, there is no way you can do a whole show about the NFL and just football in general because, well, you got to talk about other things. Well, guess what? I was an idiot. I was wrong. More than likely, this whole show will be NFL, some college football, and if there's some time left, baseball. Because honestly, the Red Sox season's over. I'm a little disappointed. I'm a little sad. I'm a little downtrodden. The Yankees are one game away from the AL East. They may have actually clinched it. I don't know. I didn't check scores. But they're going to win the AL East. That might just be all my baseball talk. That just That might be it. Forget all that. This, now, football, all we're going to talk about. Because a lot has happened in the last week. And I know it's Friday. You've heard all the opinions of the big talking heads. All the other shows giving their opinions on injuries and all these different things. You haven't heard mine. I mean, it's a fair point. It's a pre- I think it's a fair point. In arguments, I that would, that would be like a tick for Greg. So... We're going to get into it. We're going to start right away. The biggest story of the week is not Drew Brees' thumb. It's not Big Ben's elbow. It's not Philip Rivers taking pictures with a bunch of nuns, which, by the way, did happen. If you haven't seen the video, it's kind of funny looking. Just a group of nuns and Philip Rivers taking photos. Yeah, that, that that's really it. But it's none of that. It's not even the fact that Tom Brady was limited at practice with a calf injury. Oh, no. Heaven forbid. I think, honestly, for that, I think Tom just felt left out. All his other older quarterback friends are all getting hurt, and he's like, hey, I'm perfectly healthy, in great shape. My elbow can move fine. My thumb can move good. Let's just just say I have a little... Let's just say I have a little calf injury. Like, nothing big. Nothing major. But just enough so I feel a part of the team. Feel a part of the quarterback, you know, realm. Just like all the other guys. I'm not just Tom, six-time Super Bowl winning Brady. No, I'm, I'm like those common quarterbacks who only have like one or two Super Bowls. Common folk. But no, the biggest story, by far, we all knew it was coming at some point. But none of us expected it this early in the season. At least I didn't. Daniel Jones has been named the starting quarterback for the New York Giants. Now, what that means is... Eli's career is essentially over. And I say this kind of sadly because, well, he's thrown tons of interceptions to teams I'm a fan of. And, you know, they haven't done much winning in the last few years in New York. And I've enjoyed that. But Eli's not the main issue with that. He's a part of it. There's no question. But honestly, he is not the biggest issue. They don't have any offensive weapons. They got rid of Odell Beckham Jr. Before Saquon, I mean, last year, him and Saquon were the big weapons for Eli. And they didn't play all season. Their offensive line has been abysmal. For the most part, 
Eli's only gotten to play with a few elite talents offensively over his whole career. The fact he's won two Super Bowls, both against the Patriots, says something about him. Shows that he's a talent. So when I look at this, when I look at the replacement, it shocked me for one main reason. Golden Tate is still suspended. Sterling Shepard is still injured. Those are the Giants' one and two receivers. They have Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley basically holding down the offensive weapon fort. And guess what? Saquon's really the only one holding it up. Because when it comes to passing, you know you can double team your Ingram as the tight end because who else do you have to worry about? I can honestly not name any Giants wide receiver off the top of my head. Not one. Can't name a single guy. But that's just what Eli's had to do his whole entire career. He's had maybe one legitimate wide receiver. He had Plaxico Burris until he shot himself in the leg. Like, he had decent running backs, but then he had no running backs. And then he got Saquon. But the fact that they gave Eli two games in which, yes, they lost. But it's not like you can look at Eli and look at his numbers and be like, he is the sole reason. He had two touchdowns and two interceptions in his whole two games. And if you look at Buffalo, the game against Buffalo, you could say maybe those aren't all his fault. The interceptions and the turnovers. But apparently the Giants front office get him in was just like, no, what? No, we picked Jones sixth. We're getting him in as soon as possible. This season's lost. Eli's career and legacy be damned. It's essentially what they had to do. And now when you look at it, Eli's numbers are superly impressive. He was 116 and 116. He was an even 500, which is very shocking. You would have thought he at least had a few games over 500. You know, he had a pretty good completion percentage, I guess, 60%. He had 56,000 passing yards, 362 touchdowns, 241 interceptions. He wasn't outstanding. He wasn't awful. He was above average for plenty of seasons. He won two Super Bowls. And he'll probably end up in the Hall of Fame. Now, this is the big sticking point. Now, now the fact that, you know, the decision's been made, everybody basically knows Eli's career is over. Even Eli, to an extent, had an idea. Once this decision was made, hey, kind of knew it was coming. He was quoted as saying, in some ways, I signed up for this. Knowing when you draft a young quarterback, this can happen. And I got to live with it and make the best of it. And what he's basically saying is, I know I, I haven't been playing my best. I haven't been the guy that I was. And he hasn't. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger and Philip Rivers, who both, all three came from the same draft class, they've been consistently elite talents at quarterback. Eli, not so much. But he was the best they had for a very long time. But he knew this was coming. Clearly saw the writing on the wall, especially over the past year or two. But now he's Eli's set. He's set in his ways. He has his millions. He knows his career is at the end tailing of it all. He's not going to use his trade clause. He has a no trade clause. He's not going to invoke it. Because why would he? He's 38. He's married with a bunch of young kids. He has settled and likes where he lives in New Jersey. So why even leave? 
Where is he going to go at this point where things are going to be better or he has a legitimate chance of making another run at a Super Bowl? The answer is nowhere. So why not just stay where you are? You're going to get your number retired. Your fans right now are all super happy Daniel Jones has replaced Eli. You would have thought Eli was the devil based on the reaction of the fans. It's amazing how quickly they forget he won you two Super Bowls. Not many teams can say that they've had a quarterback since 2004 and have two championships. Aaron Rodgers only has one Super Bowl, and we praise Aaron Rodgers. Now, I know Eli talent-wise is not Aaron Rodgers. I get that. Don't worry. But you still got to give the man credit. You still got to look at what he has had to work with and understand he did the best with what he was given. And that's that, that's it. He did the best with what he was given. And he won you two Super Bowls. He kept the Patriots from having an undefeated season. That alone gets you in the Hall of Fame. His stats will get him into the Hall of Fame. His name will get him into the Hall of Fame. His longevity will get him into the Hall of Fame. There is no reason anybody should argue against Eli getting in. Now, I know they're like, oh, Plunkett this, Plunkett that. Very similar stats, yada, yada, yada. He shouldn't be in if he's not. Well, tough. And that's why I'm not going to even do the music. Not going to even do the music for really skip. I haven't done it in a while. But in general, perfect example of what people are thinking about Eli and his Hall of Fame chances. Skip Bayless said, more I think about it, no way is Eli a Hall of Famer. He's Jim Plunkett with a famous last name. Plunkett won two Super Bowls for Raiders, but it was a 500 quarterback. Eli, 500 and led NFL in interceptions three times. Benefited from the luckiest pass in Super Bowl history. And from Brady's one Super Bowl misfire. Well, first off, Skip. I'm pretty sure Brady has had more than one misfire in the Super Bowl. But, to also say it's the luckiest catch, it's football. Of course there's lucky catches. There's lucky kicks. There's lucky plays. Do you really think when you, if you're going to go along that line, you could look at half of Tom Brady's Super Bowls and go, well, should have lost to Seattle. Lucky interception. Should have lost, not even made it to the Super Bowl. Again, when they had to face Oakland in the Snow Bowl. Like, there's plenty of different things you can look at and say, well, guess what? They probably shouldn't have won. But it happens. They win. He still made the throw. He still put his receiver in a position to make the catch. So this is what drives me on. So we all go back to Jim Plunkett. He's a 500 quarterback. I get it. I don't know what Plunkett had to work with, but Eli did not have tons to work with. He had a terrible line for the majority of his career. He had the pressure of just being in New York. He wasn't super you know, stellar. He wasn't his brother. But he did what he had to do, and he got the job done. If Eli was really that bad, he wouldn't have been the quarterback for the last 15, 16 years. He just wouldn't be. That's not, NFL teams nowadays don't let you even go two years if you're a decent or slightly above average quarterback because they're looking for that superstar franchise guy. Eli was. You can't say otherwise. That's all I'm going to say about it. You can't say otherwise. 
Eli had a great run. He understands what happened. Daniel Jones is going to be eaten alive, I think. But you can't wait till that day where Jones is just either hurt or doesn't have it, and they throw Eli back in, and you just hope he performs and has another one or two good games and reminds everybody, hey, remember all I've done for you? Because honestly, I could see him retiring after this season. He's not going anywhere else. He doesn't want to. And honestly, it's not like any team is desperate enough, no offense, Eli, to really need him. Go after a young guy. You're getting the, why take a year or two of Eli when you can get a year or two of a young guy? Probably a good, better draft picks than you would if you got a veteran who maybe could lead you to at least a 500 record. That's all I got to say about Eli, though. Moving on from that, you got to look at the different injuries that have occurred this week. You had Big Ben, who threw, had to get elbow surgery, didn't even get touched, grabbed his arm. He's done for the season. What does this mean for him? What does this mean for the Steelers? What does this mean for Mike Tomlin? Well, it probably buys Tomlin another year. As great as a coach as Tomlin is, you got to look at what he's done the past few years. Yes, he won a few Super Bowls, but in general, hasn't been that great. Has had tons of talent, hasn't done much with it. Remember the Killer Bees? What'd they do? They made one AFC Championship game. That was it. That's all they amounted to. And Le'Veon Bell got hurt like immediately in that game. Changed that game completely. But now with Big Ben being hurt, you have Mason Rudolph, a third round pick coming in. The question's going to be, if he performs really well, I know you just signed Ben to a three-year extension. Do you trade Mason? Do you trade away potentially a future quarterback that could be a cornerstone of your rebuilding? Or do you bench Big Ben? Who knows how his elbow is going to be when he comes back. But if Mason and Juju and all these young guys click and start firing on pretty good cylinders and get maybe seven or eight wins this year, because right now I think that's the best, that's the ceiling, especially after how they started the season, what do you do? New Orleans, don't you worry. Drew Brees is going to be there until Drew Brees wants to retire, and nobody, I mean nobody, is going to take his place. It's bad enough in New Orleans that right now, they can't even just name Teddy Bridgewater as their starter. They have flat out said, we're using two quarterbacks. A bunch. They're going to have Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill, both as their quarterbacks. Because it apparently takes two quarterbacks to equal one Drew Brees. All that spells out for me is that New Orleans is in trouble. And they definitely are probably going to miss the playoffs this year. Because even if they get through this decently, which I don't see happening, because that offense is Drew Brees' baby. He feels it. He gets a feel for the game. He has a feel for the players. He has a feel for his team. And it's not like their schedule is that easy. Uh, Let me quickly look it up. But in general, Teddy Bridgewater, for one, has not played that much live football over the past few years since his knee injury. And Taysom Hill is a glorified Tim Tebow, essentially. That's how I essentially have to really look at it because, I mean, do you really think Taysom Hill is going to be quarterback? They basically run him out as a wide receiver and tight end all the time. 
But let's see. They're at Seattle this week. That's probably a loss. Then they're against the Cowboys. That's probably a loss. Then they have two games that they could potentially win with the Bucks and Jags. They should win those. So right now they're 2-2 two and two through the 6-8 to eight week recovery. They'll probably lose to the Bears. They'll probably beat the Cardinals. But that could be iffy. The Cardinals have put up a fight. So that's a 50-50 right there. So you could end up being 2-4 and four or 3-3. Three and three. They probably lose to the Falcons. Maybe they beat the Bucks, And then he's probably coming back against the Panthers. So it's hard to say. This team is going to definitely be on that fringe of maybe wild card, unless the division just completely falters, which it could. But I don't see it happening. I see, if anything, Atlanta taking this by the horn and running with it as, okay, Drew is out. We have to do everything we can to get some distance between us and them before the playoffs. And I think they will. I mean, they beat the injured Eagles, who that's a whole, whole different section. We're not going to even cover that because the Eagles just, I've never seen a team get so injured in one half of football. Like, I think at one point on the field, they had the water boy, Nelson Aguilar, and I think a cheerleader from Atlanta. I think they just threw her out there. That's how decimated their team was. And they still will probably be without Alshon and Deshaun for the next week. Things were so bad. Guys are so injured in Philly right now. Doug Peterson did a walkthrough practice on a Wednesday, which is not a thing you do. But he said if we didn't, we would have had a bunch of guys that weren't able to practice because of how hurt they are. So the next two weeks should be interesting in Philly because coming in, they were a stacked-looking team. They look like the team in the NFC East, at least. And in the first two weeks, they've lost their starting defensive tackle in Malik Jackson and their backup in Timmy Jernigan, both to foot injuries. One's out for the season. Don't know how long Jernigan's out for. You have Deshaun Jackson out for two weeks with an ab strain. Nobody knows with Jeffrey how bad his calf is. And then you had Kelsey, Wentz, Aguilar, all go through concussion protocol against Atlanta at one point or another. So it's just a mess right now in Philly. Injuries were the thing that could take this team down. And right now, it looks like that's happening. And we're only two weeks into the season. Anyway, so the Drew Brees, Big Ben, both injuries. Their teams are going to go in completely different directions, though. Because you know the Saints are going to stick with Brees when he comes back. But I'm telling you right now, Mason Rudolph does decent. One, Tomlin gets at least another year out of this because they're like, hey, Big Ben was hurt. We understand. And that's if the Steelers do poorly. If Mason Rudolph helps this team win, Tomlin gets another year too because they're like, hey, even without Big Ben, you figured out a way to win. But neither of these guys are going to be in the situation that Eli was put in. That's just a fact. Neither team has taken a quarterback in the top 10. Mason Rudolph, if anything, could be then a serviceable backup. Or if a team is QB needy and they saw what Rudolph did, they may be able to get a first or second round pick for him. Because also he's going to be cheap and he's going to have control at least for three more years. So that's what you have going on with those older quarterbacks. Eli's, or not retirement, but benching. But we're going to get away from all that. We're going to get away from the depressing quarterback news, I guess, 
the injury-laden quarterback news, the benching quarterback news. We're going to go over, though, to Paul's pylon. He's back. It's another week. I told you, it's going to be a weekly segment. And last week and the week before, you know, he did the top 10 tailgates. This week, we go in a little bit different direction. But before we get into that, going to let you know, Paul's pylon, the sports stance, Trovon Sports, sponsored by Seat Giant. Don't believe me? Check it out for yourself. Where should you go to get all your sports, concert, and any other type of ticket need? Seat Giant. That's right. You heard me. Seat Giant. That's where you're going to go to get all your sporting events and concert tickets because guess what? When you go there, you know you're getting the best deals. And when you use 12-ounce sports promo code, you get an even better deal. Again, use 12-ounce sports for the promo code and, you know, be on your way to having a fun family day. All right, so again, check it out, Seed Giant. Now, here it is, Paul's Pylon. Paul's Pylon. That is right. We are back for another week of Paul's Pylon with none other than Paul himself. It'd be weird if it was anybody else, am I right? So here it is, the man of the hour, the man of the segment. It's Paul. Paul, how you doing? Craig, doing really well. Thanks for having me on today. Really happy to be here. I know last week we talked a little bit about tailgating and some of the lighter side of tailgating. Today, we've got a little bit of a flip side. So got a lot of things to talk about. So what you're saying is we're entering the dark side of tailgating. Yeah, a little bit of the dark side, but a little fun with it too, because it wouldn't be Paul's pylon if it wasn't fun. That is true. And I like how you say thanks for having you back. It's your own segment. You you should be back. Well, it would be weird, as you said, if somebody else was doing Paul's pylon, I might have to worry about it. Exactly. Unless I find another Paul that I really like. Uh, I don't know if you can find anyone you like as much as me. That's true. I don't know many Pauls. I know one other Paul. But he's not my father-in-law, so you know. You still yeah. win. <laughs> you don't have to be nice to him. No. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. So a couple of things. All right. Um. So today's information, I always give a little uh, research information on where I get my shtick, if you will, yeah. alcohol.org, so you can see where this is going today. Yeah, booze. I like it. All right. So do you know that nearly one in five fans that attend a game get into a verbal altercation with another fan? I assume most by of it's way, in L.A., by the way. This is all self-reported. For a self-reported? Lot of we have people yeah, narking uh, on themselves. Yeah, they're reporting. So it's a survey, and the survey went out to 2,135 fans, and some of them were too drunk to answer it correctly, and others um, is where this was tabulated from. So nearly one in five in a verbal altercation before the game even starts. I mean, that's surprising, but also, you know whoever took the survey has to be a nerdier person, so they're going to, of course, you know, tell on themselves because... Who honestly takes a survey that gets sent to them? That's true. And they have to be pretty well pickled, I would think. And pretty, telling pretty the truth. Pretty well pickled. I like that one. <laughs> and pickle is a baseball term, but we'll yeah. get there next season. It's all right. So another thing is, what do you think the most popular drinking games are at a tailgate? Um, if we're going strictly off of just drinking most, games. Yeah, third most popular. Flip cup. Cornhole. See, I wasn't sure if that was going to be considered a drinking game or not. Well, I went straight off college-type drinking games. 
So I said NFL. <laughs> I, I know, but I hear drinking games. I think Flip Cup. I hear Beer Pong, Kings, Piccolo. Like, there's tons. All right. So number two? Flip Cup. Absolutely. Yeah. And, of course, number one is Beer Pong. Beer Pong. So every NFL team sells a Beer Pong table on their websites and coolers and red cups and ping pong balls. So I was going to do a little segment, but I didn't think I might want to sell all that stuff because, after all, my my information comes from alcohol.org, and I think they wouldn't be too happy about it. Probably not. Where do you think most fans watch a game? We talked a little bit about this last week. Majority is going to watch it at home. Okay, so 66.8% of the fans watch at home. Do you know how many drinks they consume at home? Average? A lot more because you don't have to drive, so I'm going to go with 10. Okay, so 6.2, and remember that number. So close. Stadium parking lot, 15.5% will watch from the stadium parking lot or viewing parties, 15.2%. From the stadium lot, how much do you think they'll drink? It's concerning because it's a party atmosphere, so I'm going to go with 7.3. 8.2. <sighs> so it's gone up a little bit. Viewing parties, 7.5. Bars. Now, you're watching the game at a bar. How many drinks are you going to have? I feel like it has to be less because you're co- conscious of the cost. So I'm going to go with five. 7.3. Really? That Absolutely. Makes no and sense. And in the stadium. Now, in the stadium can be people that arrived and went to the game, people that arrived, drank at the tailgate, and then came in. But in the stadium, 6.9 drinks per person. Who has that type of money? Who has that type of money and who has that type of staying power for drinking? I, I, I just uh, don't. So the least amount of drinks is at home when you don't have to drive. Kind of crazy. I, it is. But, I mean, I don't know. You probably didn't see this photo, but opening weekend, there was a man in Carolina who was the king. He was the Wade Boggs of fans. Underneath this man's chair in the stadium, he had easily 15 Miller Lights. And he was conscious. He was still watching the game very intently. Some people don't know how he did it. I couldn't drink 15 Miller Lights in a week. I mean, I've seen you suck down a few like in like a minute. Well, but that's it. That's my then I drink water. (laughs) Mm, Okay. Is that that what we want to call beer? Water. Yeah. All right. Top drinks by team. Top drinks by team. Yep. So we know that at at, um, the stadium. Seven ish. So the number one, number three team for drinks during a game. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like their most popular drink. I was like, you're going to go through nope. all 32 teams? No, nope, no. Nope. Number three, the third highest team for drinks. I'm going to go Green Bay. Oakland Raiders, 7.8 drinks. I mean, they do enter a black hole there, so it's been pretty miserable. You're going to drink your sorrows away right now if you're an Oakland fan. Plus, you're losing your team. Number two, we talked about at 7.9 drinks per. We talked a lot about them last week. Patriots? No, 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 no. You didn't let me talk about the Patriots last week. Well, that's why. (laughs) You talked about the Patriots. You were forced into it, though. I thought it was reverse psychology. Buffalo Bills. Yeah, Bills, Bills Mafia, like we said, comes out. And surprising to me, number one, 8.2 drinks per Denver Broncos. People get high and get drunk. I mean, it seems like a good combination. So I was thinking the air is thinner, so you're feeling a little lightheaded anyway, and then you pack in the, the booze. 
I, don't I mean, know. the Rocky Mountains, their whole thing is, you know, isn't it Coors Light's the Rocky Mountain Blues? So we should have kind of gotten a hint with that, I think. All right. So now your team's losing. Do you think you drink more if your team's losing? Or do you think you drink more if your team's winning? You drink more if your team is losing. So if your team's losing, the consumption goes up 21.6%. You got nothing to do. Your team's down. What are you going to do? Drink. (laughs) If you're winning, consumption goes up 28.2%. They drink more on the win. Wow. Right? Number one. That surprises me because I feel like you'd stay in your seat if you're winning. I think you do, and I think that's why they get all those folks around dragging beer around the stadium, so to make sure you keep consuming. (laughs) Number one, drinks on a poor performance. So they're losing. What team drinks the most? Well, because teams that lose a lot. Cleveland. I'm going to go Cleveland. Saints. Really? And the New Orleans Saints are losing. Consumption goes up 40.6%. Well, bad news, New Orleans. You're going to be really drunk in the next few weeks because Drew Brees is on the on the men for at least six to eight. And Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill, they're going to make you drink a lot. All right, now we got a team. What consumption goes up the most when their team is winning? Patriots. When the team is winning? Final answer, Patriots. Indianapolis Colts. So so what I'm getting is the center of the country drinks the most. Yes. They're used to that cold weather. They're used to that. uh, But 46%, almost 47%. It goes East and West Coasters just don't care. They don't. They don't care at all. We just drink the same amount. No matter what. Consistently. All right. Now we're talking about the darker side. Too much tailgating, too many drinks, drunk actions during the game. I've got some categories. (laughs) Making up for the percent of crimes or drunk actions. DUI is ranking in there. 7.8% of the actions are are DUI. So not a good thing, right? You're drinking all that and and you're going to get in your car and drive and and you shouldn't. Um, next action is getting thrown out of the venue. 12.4%. Yeah, there's always a few. You always see a few. Yeah, they, they get a little uh, stupefied and sometimes they don't get thrown out. They get let out. Next one surprised me. 13.9, a physical fight. That a lot of that has to do with the West Coast. Cause if you just look at it, it's always LA and Oakland seem to be getting in fights. Yeah, there's uh, some fan bases that aren't very nice. I, I no. see uh, all over the uh, all over the internet um, all these calm zones that these NFL stadiums are instituting. I'm not going to name team names, but a certain team fan base who one of the people on the show might be a fan of, <laughs> myself, um, may or may not have fought an actual player for one of their other sports teams in week one. And it was not a good look. Not a good look. <laughs> How about physically sick, i.e. vomiting? 20%. 17.7, so close. And this one is bizarre. Blackout. You blackout. Same, that, almost 18%. That Wow. That is high. 
So again, it's all the drunk actions rolled up into one and what percent. Um, this one blew my mind. Never would have guessed it. 21.7% of the drunk actions. Sexual activity. No, believe it. Uh, people are gross and the bathrooms are always filled with men and women. No kidding. I haven't gone to enough games, I guess. Well, you see it at any sporting event. Go to go to Fenway Park for a night. You see a bunch of girls just come running in and out. It just happens. That is bizarre. And, of course, uh, I said at the beginning of the show, verbal altercation makes up for 31%. And that's just people yelling, and then it gets carried away. And I guess, what was it? 13.9 turns into physical. Yep, exactly. That's, I was going to say, that's how you get back to that one number. So, alcohol.org... Um, a lot of information on their site. The number one thing that you read all over their site is the most important thing you can do going to a game is plan your ride home, right? Yep. Uber, train. Party bus. Designated driver. Something uh, not to become one of these st- statistics um, that we just talked about. And, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you you should call 866-807-5133 if you can't help yourself and you're falling into one of these categories game after game. Because most folks that drink at games go to eight to ten games a season, a.k.a. most of the home home games, tailgate. And if they get out of control at one, you have to think they're getting out of control at others. So anybody can go on the site. It's uh, a lot of information. It's the darker side of tailgating. Um, Not as light fair this week, but, you know, fair that needs to be heard. It does need to be heard, and it's at the beginning of the season, so maybe somebody next weekend when they're headed out to the tailgate with their $196 worth of food per person. Ah, see? Yeah, Not look at you pretty calling face. back. Well, uh, they, they can think about their ride home in that party bus or that cab or, or that Uber. Yep, that is true. That's oh. what I have for you. Um, it's all about taking care of yourself, planning your ride, and taking care of the folks that you go to the game with. Some folks, 6% of the people that attend a game lose one of the people in their party as they leave the stadium. That's my fun fact. <laughs> and I'm glad, I'm glad losing somebody is a fun fact. And, 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 and you've got to find your own car. So everybody heads back to the 37 parking lots, except that poor Juan bugger who's trying to find your cell phone. And hopefully he didn't drop it so he can find his party. But 6% lose a party member. Sad thing is probably half the time is probably the kid you brought to the game to have fun. Yeah, and they had too much fun. <laughs> I don't know where dad is. Can you imagine? No, yeah, you lose your kid. No, I didn't mean your real kid. I meant one of the <laughs> I meant your actual kid. One of the, one of the groupies that's uh partying too much and they make a wrong turn, they look up and nobody's they don't recognize anybody. Yeah. So. Well, Paul, you're gonna be sticking around after this ends. We'll hit hit the little quick break and you'll be back because I got a little fun thing for you. To lock it in. Sounds like a plan. Thanks for another good week. This has been Paul's Pylon. Thanks, Greg. It's been great. Um, This is Paul with the Pylons, and it's always great to be with Greg on the sports stands. All right. So like I said, Paul stuck around because I need to get his take. On this week's one game specifically, Paul's a Patriots fan. And this week, if you're a gambler, you know you're in a special, special realm right now when it comes to spread lines for not only the Patriots, but the Cowboys. 
And every week I do a must watch, an upset watch, and I'll lock it in. But Paul, I'm only going to see if you want to lock this in as a Patriots fan. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So this week, for the first time, two teams have a spread line of 20 plus points. The Cowboys, who are facing the Dolphins, who basically are a JV high school team, are favored to win by 21 and a half. Now, this is the Dolphins, the team that has had 59 points put up against them. And the Patriots put up, what, 42, something like that, because they just, for some reason, decided to keep scoring. I think that, don't the Dolphins have 13 new people on their starting line? I think they have a whole new team because they've <laughs> traded everybody away. I think they're actually playing with just draft picks on the field. They put paper <laughs> out there. And they just see what the paper can do. They're hoping paper cuts get happened and the guys just get hurt. Anyway, so this lock it in for this week. Patriots face the Jets. Now, the Jets quarterback, starting quarterback, has mono. Their backup had ligaments and his ankle torn. He's out. Do you know who their third quarterback is, Paul? I think they got him out of the um, parking lot at a tailgate party. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did because he kind of looked like a guy that already had a few or a deer in headlights. It's some guy named Falk, something like that. No, I didn't curse. Last name, F-A-L-K. So you can bet a lot of Jets fans are going to go, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. Oh, there you go. Yep. So the Patriots this week are favored to win. Now, I said Dallas is 21 and a half. The Patriots are favored to win by 23 points. That is three touchdowns and a field goal. To cover the spread. So the question I have for you, Paul, is are you willing to lock it in that the Patriots cover the spread? Now, mind you, it was reported Tom Brady was limited today with a calf injury, which I think was just BS because everybody else has been complaining about their elbows and their thumbs and Brady just wanted to feel a part of the team. I believe I will lock it in. I, You're going to lock it in? Would yeah. bet the house on it? No, but I might uh, buy you. The reason you're saying no is because your wife won't let you. Am I correct? Uh, well, uh, she would, but I just, uh, I'd rather have a friendly wager over a, a nice cold whiskey. Are you willing to put $1,000 down? No. Again, because your I wife said no. I get it. I get it. Your wife says no. I just, I understand. I'm not a gambling man. She at least let you get this nice new computer that you're working on. That was a birthday present for me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't a decision you got, made yourself being like, I'm going to get one. She was like, no, I'm going to allow you to get one. Happy birthday. I didn't need one. I could have driven up to the studio up there in beautiful North Andover. You needed a computer. Your, your computer was from the Flintstones. <laughs> it may have been the first Mac. It wasn't even Mac. It was Mac. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was old. All right. Are you willing to put $10 down? I, I am. All right. You Absolutely. heard it here, people. Paul's willing to lock in 10 <laughs> whole dollars that the Patriots cover the 23-point spread, which means the Patriots need to either get three touchdowns and a field goal or some combination of that because, well, let's be honest, if the Jets don't have C.J. Mosley, who are they really going to have? Am I right, Paul? Well, Greg, and, and you do know that I'm bitter, so if I lose, the $10 is coming in pennies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. I'll take $10 however I can get $10. All right. $1,000? What's wrong with you? I mean... I believe you'd ask me that question. You know me well enough. 
Yeah, well, you put it in Vegas, guess what? That $1,000 turns into like $1,050 because, well, the Patriots are just favored by so much and the money line's ridiculous that everybody knows the Patriots are going to win. So if you had a boatload of money, you could you could uh, put it on the Jets. You'd yeah. get to do it. And you could I mean, I'm going to guess some people are going to take the Jets because that is just a crazy, crazy line. And the Jets are bad. But they might just try to play, run the clock out, and pray that it's not a debacle on the field so is that 23 point spread the largest in history i don't know it's definitely up there yeah but for the most part you never see anything get out of the teens so the so, fact that two teams are this bad in the jets and the dolphins that they think the cowboys and patriots are that good to give 20 plus point spreads is crazy because you don't think the Patriots are that good? Oh, no, I know the Patriots are that good. That's why I keep hoping Antonio Brown gets thrown onto the exempt list. <laughs> he won't. I mean, the man sounds like a terrible person based on these stories. I don't judge. It's a civil action. He farted on a doctor, Paul. A medical doctor. He farted. Greg. There is video evidence. Is there audio? <laughs> yes. And they are loud, uproarious toots. Well, that doesn't make him a bad person. I bet he felt better when he was dumb. Makes him a tooty person. That's a song about toots. Exactly. Rudy Toot Toot. Yep, that's it. That's the exact song I'm thinking of. Shout out to your one child who sang that in kindergarten, preschool. She knows who she is. Yeah, she... uh, Put on a concert. Yep. But Paul, you're locking it in. Ten dollars. Patriots cover the spread. You heard it here first. Paul of Paul's pylon. Locking it in. Patriots cover one of the biggest spreads ever in NFL history. Sounds good. All right. Thank you for joining me this part. Now I'm gonna get back to the rest of my must watch of so watch my lock it in the week because I'm not gonna be crazy enough to do that. I'm just gonna win a bunch of pennies now. Have a great show, Greg. Thank you, Paul. And now, with that all out of the way, we'll get into my must-watch, upset watch, and lock it in. Now, last week, if you remember, and it's okay if you don't, I'm going to remind you, my must-watch was Rams-Saints. Well, that was a bust. First two weeks, first two must-watches have been complete bust. Nobody saw the Steelers being terrible, and nobody saw Drew Brees high-fiving Aaron Donald just a little bit too hard. I mean, did you? I did not see that coming. I didn't know they were that good of friends. But high five so hard, tore ligaments in his thumb. Teddy Bridgewater had to come in. It wasn't good. My upset watches both weeks also have not hit, but they've both been very close games. I do have to say that. So I had the Colts over the Chargers in week one as my upset watch. They lost in overtime. And then I had the Jags beating the Texans because Gardner Minshew's mustache is just magical. And they lost by a point on a failed two-point attempt. My lock-it-in, though, was successful. So hopefully you took that advice. I said the Ravens would not cover the spread because it was a seven-point spread or a six-and-a-half-point spread. They only won by six points against the Cardinals, who I said were going to be a bit feisty. So that was last week's. Now it's time for this week's. And if there's enough time left after all this is said and done, I'm going to touch on one or two college games. So all right. My first of the three. We're going to go upset watch. My upset watch of the week is. Now, 
let me preface it with, you know, it was a little hard for me to figure out who did I think was going to be an upset over any teams. I mean, Dolphins aren't winning. I could see the Bengals pulling it off against the Bills, but I'm not going to go with that. So I kept looking, kept looking, and kept looking, and then I found it. Now, it's going to sound a little weird to say this is an upset, but based on how their season has started, based on how their opponent's season has started, it makes sense. I'm going with the Steelers beating the 49ers in San Francisco. Mason Rudolph's first official start as an NFL quarterback. He has to go into the Bay Area. He has to go from East to West Coast. He has to do all these different shifts. But I think maybe that's enough distraction that, you know, they go in, Minka Fitzpatrick makes a big play and help the Steelers take down Jimmy G and the 49ers. Now I know you're probably thinking I'm crazy. That's why it's an upset watch. I mean, last week, the 49ers dismantled the Bengals 41-17. And in week one, they weren't too shabby either, picking up the win 31-17 against the Bucks. So, you know, they're putting up points. They're plus 30 points every game. Steelers defense has given up 28 points or more in their first two weeks. So you got to think, I mean, Greg, you're nuts. That's why it's an upset watch. That's why it's an upset pick. That's why if you're looking, that's what I'm going with. Mason Rudolph is a talented quarterback. He showed in the game last week that, you know, he can actually, you know, throw the pigskin. Crazy thought. He was a third round draft pick. Yes, Big Ben has big shoes to fill, but guess what? He at least was 12 for 19 with 112 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. That's not awful. It's not great, but it's not awful. If you can not have any turnovers, if you can play a solid game, if James Conner is healthy, if that running game can be effective, because they're going to have to use the running game in this rookie's debut. No rookie quarterback succeeds without a running game of any sort. It's just a fact. I mean, just look at Lamar Jackson. He runs it all over the field. Successful. But that's why they're my upset watch. Now this week to lock it in. I'm looking at all the different lines. I was like, you know, I want to go two for two. Because we're not going to count week one. Week one's a fluke. We're not going to count it. I'm not going to go crazy and pick Dallas or New England. Because you kind of want those to hit. But I am going to look at Saints-Seahawks. Now that line is four points in the Seahawks' favor. So Seattle would have to win essentially by two field goals or a touchdown. And I say this for all you who don't know how spread work. I just want to make sure I know if you're a legit gambler, you don't need to hear this. I get it. But just so people know. Or, you know, field goal and a safety. That would actually be better. But I'm saying this because even though the Saints are still a pretty good team overall, Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill going into Seattle, I just don't see it going well. I see Seattle winning at least by a touchdown. I just do. Their defense hasn't been fantastic. I get it. But DK Metcalf, you know, has been looking pretty good. I think they're going to utilize their run game like they always do. Russell Wilson... Is this going to do what he does, which is be consistent? So therefore, I think they cover the spread. They win that game outright, at least by a touchdown. It starts the first of many weeks that are going to be very iffy for the Saints. So there you have it. My upset watch is 
Steelers over the Niners, and the Seahawks cover the spread. Now my must-watch. I've saved this for last because I have been terrible with this the past two weeks. Not just bad. Terrible. Injury in the first quarter to Breeze, and the Steelers just got the, their face stomped in by the Patriots. Granted, I did not see the Patriots coming out that hard and that, you know, just, I don't even know how to, demolishing of other teams as they did. So, my must-watch of the week, if you don't know what it is by now, I'd be shocked. It is going to be the Ravens at the Chiefs. Now, this game should get flexed into Sunday Night Football because it is featuring two of the young stud quarterbacks in the league, and especially this year to start off how Lamar Jackson has, showing people that I am not just a running quarterback. I'm not just a running back. I'm a quarterback who can run. But I can also throw that ball because that's what he's done this year. He has thrown it, and he has thrown it well. He has almost 600 yards through two games with seven touchdowns. And, you know, he's got pretty good rush numbers too. Hollywood Brown has 12 catches for 233 yards and two touchdowns. I think that was more than what Ravens had for their wide receivers all of last year. So it's just impressive. And then, you know, you look at the other side, Kansas City, just an offensive onslaught going against a tough Ravens defense who it doesn't matter who is on that defense. They somehow always play well. But Patrick Mahomes is a different animal. He is a different human being. He just had his, I think, 24th birthday. The man is 24 years old and is already an MVP of the National Football League. He's already got 821 yards this year and seven touchdowns. Through two games. He's on pace to just, I think, throw like 10,000 yards. I don't do math very well, so I know that's probably not accurate. But still, have we ever had a 7,000-yard passer? We might get one this year. It's ridiculous what this man can do on a football field. But that is why you got to watch this game. You have two teams who have improved their defenses, have explosive offenses, have two young quarterbacks who are looking to take the reins from the old guys in the league and show that the young guys are able to take that mantle of high-quality quarterbacks. And what I mean by that is you got Rivers, you have Big Ben, you have Breeze, you have Brady, who eventually will have something happen, or he'll just retire. But the league is looking for that next generation, that next great grouping of quarterbacks. And these two guys are leading the charge with Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, guys who are still all on their rookie contracts. So this game is just huge in general. For all we know now, based off, I mean, throw away preseason predictions, throw away the NFC and AFC previews that I did with Dan Dan, the football man, because honestly, they're garbage. The only one that seems to be accurate right now is the Patriots are going to win. Chiefs, I think we also said, but for the most part, Patriots are going to win. In general, though, this could have big impacts on maybe a second seed in the AFC. Because who in the NFC, not the NFC, who in the AFC North is winning? The Browns, you can make the argument for, but overall, the Ravens right now look like they're the team to be in that division. Chiefs are obviously going to win the AFC West. But besides that, 
You could be looking at what could decide the number two seed in the AFC because honestly, we're giving the one to the Patriots. Don't want to talk about it. But that is why this game is my must-watch. I'm going to be curious to see. Andy Reid is a pretty good coach. Is he going to be able to utilize his defense and come up with a game plan that will stop Lamar Jackson from running and force him into throws he's uncomfortable making? I mean, he can make a lot of throws. He's not a bad passer. But can Andy Reid get him enough pressure on him, make him put into certain situations where he has guys and he has hit tight windows, which for any quarterback is hard. But can he do that? Because that is how you're going to win. You have to stop him from being able to run, and you have to make him to force difficult passes. I know it sounds like, yeah, no kidding, Greg. Yeah, I get it. But that's what you got to do. That He's a dynamic player. He's a guy that he is a Tim Tebow that can pass. That's what it is. That's what he is. He's a Tim Tebow that can pass. Because Tim Tebow could run. People wanted him to become a fullback or something. Anything but a quarterback in the league. They wanted Lamar Jackson to be a running back, a wide receiver. Anything but a quarterback. Both decided to stick with the quarterback. One is proving the critics wrong. The other one is playing baseball. And not very well. So that's why this is my must-watch. There's a whole bunch of storylines, and it's only week three. Hopefully, this actually is a good game, or else I might just have to stop doing must-watch. I might have to start doing maybe-watch. Maybe-watch this game. It could be good, because my first two weeks have been awful. But besides that, I am going to quickly bounce over to college football. And if you're wondering, hey, why don't you talk about Thursday Night Football? Well, how do you put into words gladiators? Jaguars, Titans... Gardner Minshew's mustache. It was, I mean, it's just, can you get any better? Am I being sarcastic? Maybe. Or am I being totally serious? You don't know. But I'm not going to waste my breath because there's no point in wasting your breath on greatness. And that is what the Jags and Titans every year on Thursday Night Football is. It's just pure ecstasy. Like, forget drinking, forget drugs. You don't need any of that when you watch that game. That game gives you all you need. And it gave us all we needed. And I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, dramatic pause. But we're going to bounce over to college football because there are a few big games this week and I want to get it in quickly before my time is up because I have like five minutes left. So I'm going to talk about that. Not the five minutes, don't worry. College football. So the first big game on the docket this weekend, you have a few actual top-ranked matchups. Michigan-Wisconsin, huge game for Harbaugh. Now, I say this not just because, you know, it's 11 versus 13. You know, you lose once in the Big Ten. You could be done. But no, because this game is the start of a slew of hard, hard games for Michigan. And they have not looked that impressive yet. So you need to beat Wisconsin. You get a week off, essentially, because you play at your Rutgers. But then you go Iowa, who always is tough. Illinois, eh. But then you have Penn State, Notre Dame, Maryland, who we know can play offensively with the best of them, Michigan State, and then you get a week off with Indiana, and then Ohio State. Like You have a grueling battle. So this game is huge. Right now, though, it's not looking great. Wisconsin comes in overall as the much better team. At least when you look at it stats-wise and everything on paper, Wisconsin is the better team. 
So I hope Harbaugh has some tricks up his khaki pants because he's going to need them to take down the Badgers in Wisconsin. Next game you're going to look at, and that's why I'm flying through these. I know. Next game you got to look at is Auburn-Texas A&M because, honestly, if Auburn wants to keep their chance of maybe winning the SEC, get into the SEC championship, get into the playoffs, hopes alive, they have to get through Texas A&M, and it's not going to be an easy game. Jimbo is a guy that likes to plan, and he plans well. I mean, look at what Florida State has had happen to him since he's left. It's not pretty. They, I mean, a toddler might be able to coach that team better than um, anybody else right now. I'm not even kidding. You might, I might, I might just throw a toddler out there just for fun. Just see what happens. Anyway, Auburn goes in again. It's since it's at home for Texas A&M. They are favored. I still think though, Auburn pulls it out. That's just my gut feeling. Because you want Auburn also to go against Alabama and those teams as undefeated because it just makes the game and storyline way more entertaining. Last and not least, the big game of the weekend. Number seven, Notre Dame versus number three, Georgia. It is the eight o'clock game on CBS. I was about to say ABC, but on CBS. And this game has major playoff implications. Because the question is here, Notre Dame wins. They stay undefeated. Their playoff hopes are still alive. Georgia, still alive with one loss because if they make it to the SEC championship game and take down an undefeated, say, LSU, Auburn, Alabama, whoever it is, they still probably get into the playoffs. Notre Dame loses this game, even though it's in Athens, Georgia. It would have to be a one or two point game for them to have any sort of chance to make the playoff come that time of year, and they'd have to win out the rest of the year. Obviously, if they don't, they'd be out anyway. But if they have any hope... They have to lose very close and hope things fall their way or else win out because if, if that's not the case, it's all over. If you get blown out, kiss that chance of playoffs goodbye. So that is the game. If I'm picking a must-watch this weekend, I am picking that one. Last year, it was a great game between the two teams. I expect nothing less this year. But that is it. I'm not going to get into baseball. Uh, Yankees having issues. Dylan Batances tore his Achilles. That's terrible. Uh, they have, you know, other guys getting domestic assault issues. I'm not going to even touch on Vasquez situation with Pittsburgh. It's just disgusting. That, that That's it. That's what I'll say about it. Disgusting. That's what it is. Terrible person. Just throw him in jail now. There you go. I talked baseball for 30 seconds. But anyway, I that's all I got for you. That's it. Uh, last quick ad, go check out Thrive Fantasy. Uh, it's better than DraftKings. It's better than FanDuel. Don't go to those guys. Go to Thrive Fantasy. Make sure you enter in promo code 12OnSports and get into the game at Thrive Fantasy. That's it. That's all. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in on 12 on Sports or on Spotify or iTunes. Go to all those. Like, subscribe. Give me your stance. Send me your stance. You can find me on Twitter at SportsStance, on Instagram at the Sports Stance, and Facebook. Make sure you give me a five-star rating because, honestly, you know you want to. But that's it. That's all I got for you. Enjoy your weekend. Once again, my name is Greg. This has been my stance on sports. Have a good one. The Sports Sports Stance.